This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. This is Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances and Rev 96. This is Jerry and Tracy from, from Hillbilly, Hillbilly Horror, Horror Stories. Stories. Do Do we we have have a special special treat for you? By now, you know that we are doing a live episode in Atchison, Kansas on August 10th. Atchison is home to the infamous Sally House. Atchison is one of the most haunted towns in America. So with the help of Maria Miller, we have an entire weekend in store for you. This is Maria Miller, Tourism Director for Atchison, Kansas. We're excited to welcome all of your listeners to the most haunted town in Kansas and one of the most haunted towns in the country, Atchison, where history repeats itself every single day in the most unusual of ways. You better get your tickets now because we have lots of exciting events planned for you. Besides our live show at Paolucci Restaurant, which is one of the most haunted restaurants in America, there will be haunted trolley rides, cemetery tours, tours of the Sally House, and even an investigation of the Sally House, if you're not too scared. Wow, it doesn't get any better than that. Oh, but it does. Our shows are giving away an amazing prize pack for this show. Two tickets to the live show, a shirt from each one of our shows, and a biggie. The winner and a friend will spend the night in the Sally House Friday, August 9th, with Tracy, Justin, and myself. Everyone can enter to win. Go to our Facebook pages. We have posted a Facebook cover photo. Just make this cover photo your cover photo and send us a message letting us know that you did it. Leave it up for two weeks, and on March 16th, we're going to choose our winner by computer random number selector. Make sure you message us and let us know, because otherwise we won't know you did it. You can get your tickets for all of the Atchison events at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. See you in Kansas. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 131 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. Hey guys, and I'm Tracy. I started to say, don't just act like you're just throwing a hey guys. I mean... Not everybody knows who you are. This big is head. very true. <laughs> big head. <laughs> <laughs> this is so true. Well, I'm Tracy, you all, in case you don't know. And this is uh, the second show since her heart attack, so she managed to make it another week without killing off on me. I know. That was kind of nice of me, I think. <laughs> it was very nice of you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> She's committed. I am committed. Or should be committed. Or, in 19, uh, well, that's true, 1910, too. she would have been committed. Shoot, don't could, you know that? Listen to me. That is scary to think about that. Like, some of us today act a fool. (laughs) We do. And we would so be in the other place if we did. Okay. We're going to do, obviously, the um, 
iTunes reviews and the Patreons and stuff in the middle of the show. Yes. Because we've got our two stories. Two interesting stories tonight, I think. One is about a famous hotel. Mm-hmm. And then the other is about a Masonic home for children. Oh. Like a, kind of like an orphanage. So. Uh, okay. A little different, but we'll go ahead and do that one. It's not the most incredible story, but I did think it was kind of cool. So, anyway, so I want to throw out here a big thank you to uh, all of our military, civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for all that you do. Yes, God bless all of you. Thank you for keeping us safe. Also, wanted to mention, uh, as we usually do, if you guys are struggling with uh, any type of depression, if you're just uh, having trouble going through day-to-day life and you're thinking of harming yourself or if you're thinking of even worse, uh, please know that you've got people you can talk to. You can talk to us, Tracer, myself. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. You can message us. You can call us. You can um, text us. Whatever you want to do, we're willing to talk to you day or night. If you would rather talk to strangers then feel free to call the uh, suicide hotline here in the United States, 1-800-273-8255. They also have a text line, 741-741, if you uh, feel a little more comfortable texting back and forth. I know we've had a couple of listeners say that they've used that text line and it worked great and they felt better afterwards. That's great. There are always um, thoughts that, I know I've had thoughts on a regular basis that, you just kind of got to overcome them, and it's tough sometimes, but it helps to talk to people. And, uh, you know, like, like I said, it could be us. It could be people in our group. Join our group, Hillbilly Horror Stories group. There are over 2,500 very supportive people in there, and everybody's, you know, willing to talk to you. If you uh, put a post up and say, I'm having a rough time, trust me, you will be bombarded with positive posts. And on that note, I would like to say um – you guys really pulled me through, too, because when I had my heart attack, I'll be honest with you, I was really, really down. I felt like there's nothing I can do to fix this. You know, I'm just doomed. Yeah, I'm alive, and I'm grateful for it. But with my diabetes and everything like that, I just felt like whatever I'm doing is not going to work. But you guys came through with so many messages and just love and support that it totally changed my mind about how I was thinking and stuff like that and you know I'm not ready to give up and I'm not going to and I'm just going to have to make it work and work harder but I just wanted to say thank you again for your guys support because it did really pull me through a really down place in my life so it does work guys if you never you know try to talk to anybody in the group you should you should because it'll really help you out okay thank you you're welcome we're not going to touch too much on the live shows but i do have to say you guys are absolutely phenomenal yes the houston show which is may 11th three months from now is sold out 100 seats uh that's the the good news and the bad news temporarily was if you didn't get a chance to buy a ticket yet, because I know some of you put it off thinking, you know, i got plenty of time. i got yeah. three months. And as you can see, that's not wasn't the case at all, because when you got four shows like ours that are up there and, and we've all got listeners in the Houston area, 100 seats really isn't that many seats. Right. You know, when we started doing looking for a venue for this show, to be honest with you guys, we were looking for a place that would hold 500. 
Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find a place that could hold 500 without them wanting, you know, an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. If you ever try to rent a hall for like a wedding or something, you know, they want three to $5,000 and it's not viable to really do that uh, for one of these shows. So we, we had this place that was gracious enough. Cisco's uh, uh, salsa was, you know, ready to jump in there and help us out. And we appreciate them so much. Mm-hmm. And we did talk to him in the beginning about, hey, if this thing goes like we think it will, do we have the availability to do another show earlier in the day? And we did. So we've known all along that we've had that ability. And we set that show up. So if you didn't get tickets to the Houston show, we just uh, put out another 100 seats for an earlier show that day 1 to 5 p.m mm-hmm. at, at uh, cisco salsa so there you go same price same four shows everything's going to be exactly the same so now's your chance to get tickets and and as you're hearing this we're recording this on saturday night i put it out saturday morning and we've already sold 10 of those tickets yeah that's great you guys so, are just yeah, so it's, awesome it's going to be crazy but it, basically if you're hearing this it is not a sales ploy this is the only the last of the two shows we can do there Mm-hmm. So if if you're hearing that and you live in the Houston or the Dallas area or Fort Worth, come see us and but get your tickets now because Sasquatch Chronicles and and Confessionals have huge audiences and once they let them out, ticket sales just flew out. Yeah, more excited to meet you guys for sure. So, anyways, let's jump on to the show. All right. So near downtown San Diego, Tracy, right on the beach, is this beautiful 125 year old hotel called the Hotel Coronado. Now, this thing is, has seen plenty of people come and go, and some have came and don't go, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and this place has been opened up since 1980, or I'm sorry, 1888. I do that every time. I know. That it's is so funny. Since 1888, and a place that's been open that long has to have a ton of history, as you would expect, and this place does. So at the time of its opening, it was the largest resort hotel in the entire world. Wow. The price of a room back then, hold on to your hat, $2.50 a night. Dang. And that was with your meals included. <gasps> you got your meals too? <laughs> your meals included. Wow. It cost a million dollars to build that hotel, but 40% of that was for the furnishings. Oh, wow. So it was loaded with extra. Oh, that sounds nice amazing. Stuff this place has had royalty come, presidents, so more celebrities than you can shake a stick at. And they've all stayed there over the years. And they even had the Marilyn Monroe movie, Some Like It Hot, film there. Oh, gosh. Interesting. I think Jack Lemmon was in that, too. Who's that, hon? Jack Lemmon. I think he was in oh, that, Oh, Jack too. Lemmon. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to hear over Ninja snoring. <laughs> Sorry, baby. We're disturbing you. Here, be quiet just a second. <laughs> 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 All right, so it became a national landmark in 1977. Notable guests have included Thomas Edison, Charlie Chaplin, Babe Ruth, Vincent Price, Jimmy Stewart, George Harrison, Oprah, Whoopi Goldberg, and Catherine Hepburn. Wow, impressive. Way more than that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And I don't know why the the ones I had to pick that I threw Whoopi in there. (laughs) Because trust me, there was some way bigger than Whoopi, but I threw her in there. (laughs) There have been 17 U.S. presidents stay there, and some of those include John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, George Bush. Well, actually, both of the Bushes stay uh-huh. there. Richard Nixon, Barack Obama, a bunch more. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
we mentioned that Some Like It Hot was filmed there. Uh, obviously, that's the most iconic film, just mainly because Marilyn Monroe was in it. But there's also a few other movies that used the uh, Hotel Del Coronado as their backdrop. My Blue Heaven. Do you remember that with Rick Moranis and Steve Martin? Yes, I do remember that. That was filmed there. A, a movie called Wicked Wicked and the Stuntmen. Never heard of were that. all filmed there. So I got a few little interesting tidbits. Have you heard of the author Frank Baum, B-A-U-M? I'm afraid to say I have not. He wrote a very popular book that became a super popular movie by the name of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, now I feel dumb. Well, I didn't know what his name was either. Oh, good, so. yay. <laughs> <laughs> he stayed here for months at a time. He would he was writing stories and would read to children. Oh, that's really nice. Now, he designed the chandeliers that, chandeliers that are still hanging in the crown room, and they were uh, actually based on the crown worn by the Cowardly Lion by his description in the book. So how cool is that? That's very cool. There was also a little... Uh, fairly well-known piano player that uh, was found and discovered playing in front of a little small group in the lounge there by the name of Liberace. No. So who, could you imagine Liberace just sitting there playing the piano in front of, you know, maybe 10, 12 people or no, something like that? even. <laughs> everybody yeah. just knows how famous he is. And oh, just, yeah. It'd be like, you know, Elton John or somebody mm-hmm. just sitting there. That's kind of how Billy Joel was discovered, too. Is that right? Yeah, the song Piano Man by Billy Joel basically was a true story about how he was a piano player at a little small bar and stuff like that. So that's all based on true events. So anyways, obviously, these are cool stories that we're talking about. But unfortunately, along with the feel-good stories like that come the sad stories. One of the first sad stories, it's just kind of like a little blip on the radar because I've never heard of this person. But in 1904, actress Isidore Rush drowned on the beach there at the Hmm. hotel. So 1904, I'm assuming those were, um, I don't know if she was an actress in film because if there was, that would have been uh, silent films, I guess. Yeah. So not really sure, but there's really wasn't a whole lot on that situation other than that. The most famous tragedy, though, and... By most accounts, the, the tragedy that leads to all the hauntings that we're going to talk about happened over a decade earlier than that. Now, this is what I can tell you. Kate Morgan, and I readily admit that I'm not sure how much of this is fact because there are a few different variations about Kate's life. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that you'll look at will tell you during certain parts of her life, there's really no information here. So a lot of speculation. But we know Kate was born around 1864 and that her mom died in September of 1865. And when she was two, she was sent to live with her uh, grandpa. Uh, It was actually her mom's dad. Mm -hmm. Her real dad died in 1876. So you're looking about, she would have been, what, about 13 years old when her dad died. Now things start to get all kinds of twisted and and, uh, discrepancies start popping up everywhere so we know on december 30th of 1885 kate got married to thomas morgan okay Mm -hmm. they had a baby a little baby boy was born on october 31st of 1886 unfortunately the baby only was alive for two days and passed away we know that of you know what eventually happens But the events leading up to the tragic events that we're going to talk about are going to be cloudy. So one story says that Kate left Thomas, her husband, in 1890, and she ran off with Albert Allen. 
Now, Albert Allen was the stepson of Thomas Morgan's stepmom. Now, this is confusing right off the bat. But his stepmom was Emily Dennison Allen Morgan. And supposedly she had a stepson, which I guess theoretically uh, would make Albert Allen uh, Thomas's half-stepbrother of some sort. Yeah. So it's basically a stepbrother. But I don't think, you know, there was no blood relation on either to his mom or to Thomas. Yeah. It just so, still seems weird, though. Right. So we're going to keep this as simple and say basically that this story says that Kate ran off with his stepbrother. Um, can I go back for a little bit? Yes. wonder why she didn't go live with her dad. Well, it it, it was made to seem like she was sent to go live there. So her dad probably sent her away. Oh, okay. When she was two. All right, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think, uh, it wouldn't because she couldn't. I think after her mom died, I think the dad probably just mm-hmm. said, hey, I don't want to have a kid. Oh. That's my guess. Terrible. So we've got now Kate supposedly runs off with her husband's stepbrother, okay? Now this story says that the next time that she's even seen she was alone and sad, and it doesn't even show how long ago it's been. But after that, the next time she was seen was at the Hotel Del Coronado when she checked in on Thanksgiving Day in 1892. So from the last time that she was seen to now, we're, it's two years difference. Yeah. So as I said, there's really nothing in between that tells anything that happened. This is, gets even crazier. So she checks into the hotel under the name of Miss Lottie A. Bernard Detroit. Well, that's a weird name. Yes, it is. Checks into room 302. Now, by all accounts, she was a very beautiful woman. She was very kind, very ladylike, and she had a somber, almost melancholy personality. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to jump to the other story because I'm not going to give away the ending yet. The other story on how she got to the hotel says that her and her husband didn't split up. In fact, her husband Tom was a professional card player, and in November 1892, they were uh, on a traveling, I guess, across to the western parts of the states on a train, and they had some kind of an argument, and when the train stopped in Los Angeles, Tom got off the train and told Kate that he would meet her at the hotel. Mm-hmm. On November 24th, which was Thanksgiving, she checked in. So we know she checked in on that day. Right. But now we got two different stories on how she got there. Mm -hmm. One, she ran off with a lover and then disappeared and then just showed up there by herself. The other, she would never split up with her husband. She's with him and they have an argument and she's waiting at the hotel for him. And as we'll find later, there's actually a third story. So there's no disputing that she got married. And that she checked in on November 24th under an assumed name. Now, that's that's the trick that, why? Why would you check in under an assumed name? Maybe only reason I could think of is maybe you were trying to hide from somebody. Yeah. Wouldn't that make sense? So, so everything in between her getting married and her checking in as a guess, for the most part. Now, if you think that's shaky, wait till you hear what happens next. The last time Kate was seen was on the evening of November 28th. She was standing out on the veranda. She was overlooking the ocean. The next morning, her body was found on the steps leading to the beach. 
Her death was ruled a suicide from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the hand. She did have a gun in her hand. So, open-shut case as far as they were concerned. We know that this happened at least as far as her being found dead on that date from a self-inflict or from a gunshot mm-hmm. wound to the head. This was five days after she checked into the hotel. Now we're going to fast forward almost a hundred years to 1980s. There was a San Francisco lawyer by the name of Alan May. He discovered some evidence sifting through uh, this whole case that seems to reveal that this is a possible murder. Why was he going through that? Why was he investigating that case? Well, he was just looking at it as an interest. He's an attorney. Uh-huh. And you'll find as we get a little deeper into the story, there's a lot of fascination with this case. Okay. Uh, several books were written, and we'll talk about some of those. But what he found that he just stumbled across that made him think that there may be a, a, a murder involved here is there was a statement that was made by the coroner's inquest that said the bullet in Kate's head was different than the bullets that the gun in her hand used. Hmm. Well, what's up with that? Well, so what were these circumstances that led to Kate's arrival and why the fake name? If she was indeed murdered... Maybe she was hiding from someone, and that's why she gave the fake name. fake name. And that definitely would explain why the bullets didn't match what was in her head. Now, why that was not a big deal back then, you know, but they everybody looked over this back then. It was the 1890s, so, I mean, I, I know it's not exactly the same as what we got going on with ballistics testing and stuff today. But the reality of it is, that was right there written by the reporter. I mean, the uh, coroner. Mm-hmm. And yet that wasn't enough for the police to rule it a homicide. It was it stayed ruled a suicide. So my guess, you know, was she waiting for somebody or was she hiding from somebody? Because one story tells you she's waiting for people. Yeah. My guess is the assumed she name of she was probably hiding from somebody. But the most importantly, was she killed or did she commit suicide? And... Like I said, there have been several books written about about Kate's life, including uh, one called A Beautiful Stranger, The Ghost of Kate Morgan in the Hotel Del Coronado. And that's actually published by the hotel that she was staying in there at the Hotel Del Coronado Mm -hmm. wrote, or people from from the hotel wrote that book. So that's kind of interesting. That Well, yeah. I mean, it is interesting. Why would they want to draw that kind of attention to the hotel if if they thought somebody murdered her? Well, I don't, and I don't know what it says in the book to be honest with you because i've not read the book to know what their conclusion is they might just be telling the story Uh, then you got you know some of these books they bring up the possibility that the woman wasn't kate at all one of the books even says that it was a lady by the name of lizzie wiley or actually i think it's lizzie willie but so there's all kinds of speculation in this case there's another story that says kate had a a stomach cancer Hmm. and she was there waiting for her brother to come get her and take her to a physician. And while she was there uh, during this time, there was a maid that helped her, you know, like almost almost like, you know, she was a nurse, just kind of tended to her every need. Mm-hmm. And they became close over that five days. Now, as far as ghosts and paranormal activity and stuff like that goes, we really only hear of two entities in the hotel. 
And the ghost of Kate Morgan is the primary resident ghost as far as uh, being seen in several places over the last hundred years. Now, we told you that the original room she checked into was 302. That room has since been changed to room 3312 and been changed again to now it's 3327. So if anybody's in the area of San Diego and want to check into this hotel, 3327 is the room to get. But as you could probably guess, that's the most requested room in the entire hotel. <laughs> so you might have a hard time yeah. getting into it with ease. Now, room 3519 is the second most requested room, but we'll get into that room in shortly and talk about that. So guests in room 3327 had the feeling of being watched. That's the biggest complaint people have. Even from people who didn't request a room that have no clue about the it? history of Kate. Oh. So they get that on a regular basis. Also, with these same visitors, they have the TV to turn off and on, water faucets that'll turn themselves on, and pipes rattle. Some have reported even seeing Kate's face in the TV while the TV's off. <laughs> that would freak me out. Staff and guests have reported seeing a woman in 19th century clothing walking down the halls or standing in the window as if she was waiting on someone. Employees and visitors report a sudden change in temperature, unusual noises, and footsteps and sightings. How about that? I think it's amazing. The gift shop, surprisingly enough, is an, a hot spot there. Items tend to fly off the shelves, not just because of their great prices. <laughs> and books rearrange themselves. Yeah. It's probably the books that the hotel wrote. <laughs> hey, buy one of these books. Yeah, We really. wrote it, and they're flying off the shelves. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> there have been several accounts of strange happenings in room 3327, or Kate's room, as the staff knows it, but also in room 3519. That was the maid's room. That we talked about that. Oh, that Kate. was taking yes. care of the taking care of her. Yeah, let's hear about a couple of strange things that happened there. There was a Secret Service agent that stayed there in in 1983, which we talked about earlier. All the presidents that stayed there. So in what year? 1983. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think of who the president was in '83. Would it have been Reagan, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. So I think that would have been Reagan in '83. But anyway, one of his Secret Service agents or whoever was staying in that room, he got so scared in the middle of the night that he demanded to change rooms. <laughs> this is a guy whose job is to protect, protect the president, oh, and he yeah. got so scared in that room that he demanded it to be switched to a different room. I wonder what the president said. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> that's, that's not right again. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Anyways... <laughs> Well, I guess the president would have to move rooms too. Then I don't. I think the president probably had a different room. I don't think they slept together in the same oh. room. <laughs> I guess I was thinking he was standing guard over. Yeah, it or something. Not, I don't think that's the case. In the early '90s, there was a film crew there, and they were sitting with a bunch of paranormal investigators, and they were all sitting in the bed on the bed, rather. And at about 3 a.m., there was a glass in the in the bathroom that just smashed to the floor and shattered into like a million pieces and there was nobody in the bathroom at that time. Oh. So well that's weird. 
Okay. I don't know. I, just, I guess I was just thinking. I don't know. Never mind. Go ahead. Thinking it was weird? I don't know. Okay. I guess so. There's a young woman named Sharon, and um, she was staying in Cage Room, and she experienced a lot of static on the phone line. Mm-hmm. Like her friends would all call, and they would all talk about how it just seemed like there was just almost like somebody was listening into to oh. their conversation. Ooh. She said she experienced some flickering lights and some very cold bursts of air. She was telling the story of a, a reporter that had stayed in the room before her. And she said this reporter had a very valuable necklace, so she put it in the, the safe deposit box. It was in the closet, right? She decided to lay down and take a nap for about three hours. That's not really a nap. That's like going to bed for the night. Mm, <laughs> but sounds like a good nap to me. She laid down and took this nap. When she woke up, she went there to retrieve her necklace from the lockbox, and it was tied in a knot. Tied in a knot? And obviously, it's not tied in a knot when she put it in the... So let's get back to Sharon. She went down to dinner, and um, while she was down there, she was just, you know, talking to other people and, you know, having a good time. And she comes back to her room afterwards, and her card key card wouldn't work mm-hmm. so she went back back to the desk and got another card and she came up and she said she tried it from 12 to 15 times before it eventually let her in the door okay what year was this again this was just recently, recently like within, okay. you know, within the last 10 years or so okay so she said she went to sleep or at least she tried to she no. didn't get a whole lot of sleep said she could hear like a faint murmur like somebody was slurping through a straw or snoring or something. It was mm-hmm. probably Ninja. It probably was. His loud ass. One of her friends suggested that uh, it maybe was a death rattle. Oh. Could be. Well, that I could have not, you know, I wouldn't want to hear that. No. no. So a week or so later, she decided she was like a veteran now of haunted rooms. So she wanted to, to stay in room 3519, the maid's room. Well, here's the freaky part of that story. She was having some friends that's staying in a hotel in a different room. Uh, but she wanted to meet down in the lobby for drinks because you know how some lobbies have like a reception yeah, like and a stuff. For mm-hmm. And she was going to have them meet her down there. So Sharon went down a little bit earlier uh, than she was supposed to. And she was sipping on a cocktail just waiting on her friends to come down. Well, her friends showed up. And when they did, they were like white as a ghost when they saw her. And, and she's like, what's, what's the matter? And they said, how long have you been here? And she said, about 30 minutes. And they said, we were just outside your room. So we were walking down the hall, and we walked past your room, and we could hear voices in her talking, and one of them, no doubt, was your voice. And they said, oh, cool, you know, Sharon's here, so we can go in and check the room out. Yeah. So they knocked, and all the voices suddenly stopped. And she said that they knocked some more and then even called her name a few times, but of course... Sharon didn't answer because Sharon was oh, man. not there. She was downstairs. Yeah, I would not be entering that room ever again. So it would seem that Kate and, and, and the maid that helped her out tend to have to run into place. But just in case you want to learn a little more about Kate Morgan, those other books that we were talking about that we discussed a little bit earlier are called Dead Move, Kate Morgan and the Haunting of Del Coronado. And that was by John T. Cullen. And then... The Ghost of the Hotel Del Coronado, The True Story of Kate Morgan by Terry Gerardot. 
And then, of course, uh, uh, Alan made the attorney that found out about the bullets not matching. Um, he's got a book called The Legend of Kate Morgan that he wrote. So oh. you can see there's three stories mm-hmm. right there. And then there's been some movies and videos and documentaries yeah. all done about it. So Kate Morgan crazy. has uh, definitely grabbed the uh, fascination of a lot of people in that area. And as, nobody will ever know the truth. Which probably story not. Is what? Oh, it's over 100 years old. I mean, it was 1892, I think, when she died. So, I mean, you're looking 125 years, 127 years. That's bizarre, man. So there you go. Good story. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's take this opportunity real quick uh, to talk about live shows. So we mentioned the second Houston live show. All these shows you can get by going to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. I'm telling you, by the time you hear this, within a week, that other Houston show will be sold out. So if you want to go, buy your tickets now. Hopefully. It'll be sold out. We sold 84 tickets in three days. Uh, that's for the, that's for the, insane. And, and I've already sold nine tickets the first couple hours it's yeah. been up today. So, yeah, it's it's going to sell out. Yeah, we feel very blessed. That's amazing. And Andrea Whitney's going to be there. Yeah. The Confessional, Sasquatch Chronicles, uh, Dina Marie from Twisted Philly. This is going to be a, a fun day. And a bunch of good Mexican food. Yes. There's going to be a buffet there. I know. I'm excited. Enchilada buffet. Yeah, yeah. Now she, she told me there was going to be an enchilada buffet. And I said, there's going to be a lot of buffet? She said, no, enchilada buffet. I said, oh, I misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Easy to do. Yeah. So, got that. I wanted to mention the Louisville show. April 6th. This thing is rapidly approaching being sold out. This is going to be at Khalil's on Dixie Highway. I had a chance to talk to the owner. He's very excited about us being there. Uh, man, it's, he's supposed to, he's going to set up a buffet for us also. Good. Though we may end up changing that. I haven't decided yet. Mm-hmm. But we might. I'm trying to decide because their, their menu looks so awesome mm-hmm. that I can't decide whether we want to go off the menu or whether we want to go. Because if we do the, the uh, buffet... He's wanting to do like a taco bar and a fajita bar. So it would have steak and chicken and ground beef and all that stuff on there. So I like both. It's going to be hard to decide. I do too, but I like my fajitas to be sizzling when they come. Well, probably not going to happen. It'll be on a buffet. Yeah. Could be sizzling. But anyway, so that show, keep in mind, that one's only $17. It's in Louisville. It's on a Saturday afternoon, 2 to 6 p.m., but that's the one where the guys from Brohio are going to be there. We've got the husband and wife team of Andrea and Tom Payne from We Drink and We Know Things. If you haven't listened to their show, give it a listen. I think you'll like it. And our special guest that day, so excited, Bishop James Long. He is a true life exorcist. He's been on Ghost Adventures. He's been on um, a couple of the other paranormal shows. He's been on the History Channel. On a, I watched a special one time they were doing about the gates of hell all the different places and what people perceive hell to be and all that. And he was on that. Mm-hmm. So, but he is a genuine exorcist and he is going to give a presentation on the different stages of possession that will blow your mind. So that's one you want to get. So po- possession and fajitas, you can't, can't go wrong. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's funny because talking to people, I didn't think about this when we set this up. But we've had people at the restaurant talk about 
that some people might be weirded out at the restaurant by the exorcist. So they got us in a private room. So nobody will be able to hear anything that's going on. But he was like, hey, just keep it to your event because we don't want anybody else in the yeah. restaurant to know there's an exorcist in there because it might freak some people out. And it's <laughs> pretty cool. I guess so. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, you know, like we were talking, I was talking to Tina Mattingly, who owns Waverly Hills. And she had said the same thing. She wanted to make sure that we weren't associating the exorcist and the demonologist with Waverly because she didn't want people to think there were demons there and all that stuff. Or like the, the two were together. It just happened to be a coincidence. He's on that show. But uh, so anyway, she got that show. I'll tell you about the uh, Bobby Mackey show. As the time we're recording this, there's only 17 tickets left. Remember that show is on a Sunday afternoon and it's completely different because um, we're actually doing it inside of Bobby Mackey's. We have the place completely to ourselves. It's just you guys and us and Gatekeeper Paranormal who is going to tell you about Bobby Mackey's, and then we're going to do an hour tour. So how cool is that? It's very cool. So if you're in the Cincinnati area, northern Kentucky area, or if you just want to drive up, we got people coming in that thing from like eight hours away. That's So it would be awesome. It's one of the most haunted places in the entire world. It's on every top 10 to top 20 list, and you get a chance to be there with just us and listen to some spooky-ass stories. That's pretty cool. <laughs> And then all of our other shows, like I said, they're they're um, all over the place, and some of them are way out. You heard the commercial in the beginning, the Atchison show. This is a chance we get to spend the night in the freaking Sally house. <sighs> Justin Rimmel and Elisa is going to be there, Tracy and myself, and two winners for our contest. So you heard that at the beginning. I'm not going to rehash it. That's going to be fun. You, you know, think? I have a heart problem. I might have to sit this one out. Yeah, you're going to sit it out in the floor of the Sally house. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then we've got an Indianapolis show. We've got, uh, where else? What other shows we got? We got Indianapolis. We've got uh, the Mothman show, which will be in Huntington, or not Huntington, but Point Pleasant, West Virginia, mm-hmm. which is right outside of Huntington. Uh, that's what history goes bump. And uh, the guys from Brohau is going to be part of that. The indie show is Brohio, uh, Justin Rimmel from A Serious Circumstances, and, and um, us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff coming up. And we're going to end up doing St. Augustine sometime in October if we can ever get the location set up. We'll put yeah. those on sale. But you guys are awesome. You you tell us where you want us to come, and we'll try to find a way to make it there. So, Trace, would you like to read our iTunes reviews for the week? We have Sick Juggalo. Craig in Fort Lauderdale, D.G. Franklin, Jeff in West Texas, Rail Hunter, Wrench Bender One, L.W. Temple Street, B.B. Unicorn, Mia, M. Gal 25, and J. Reynolds 592. Thank you guys for those wonderful iTunes reviews. I love it. Y'all know how to make us feel good, I'll tell you that. We appreciate those more than anything. You guys are awesome, and as we've said before, that's by far the cheapest way you can support the show. Yes, it's amazing. Those reviews help the show way more than you will ever realize. And, you know, just telling people about us. Word of mouth is how we're going to grow and and hopefully get to where we want to be. Yeah, and I know we have a lot of people that do that, and we really do appreciate y'all. We had some Patreons this week. Christopher Neal, Shell Reeves, Joseph Rogers, and Jordan Dashti. Thank you guys for supporting us. 
oh man it's just i don't know you guys just, are awesome it, it is it's so overwhelming and just uh, i still to this day sometimes just can't believe how lucky we are <laughs> and we've gained a whole bunch of great new friends and um Man, we just love it. We just can't thank you enough. And and I'm going to say something that I probably shouldn't say because I don't want people to take this the wrong way. But we eventually would really like to do this full time. And there's one point where I thought, well, that's never going to happen. It's just fun. And it's still fun. And But things we're growing to the level where I can see that there's some point where we actually may be able to do this full time and what's, what it's going to take for that to happen is we just need to get more listeners. I mean, that really is the key to everything. So anybody that you can tell to listen to the show is a huge help to trying to get us to where we could do this full time, which I know we would both love to do. Uh, that would mean more traveling. That would mean more shows. The only reason we don't like right now, a uh, good example, we're doing the Houston show, we're doing the Kansas show, and we're doing the St. Augustine show, and that's pretty much all only places we can go that are more than a couple of hours drive from our house mm-hmm. because we have to schedule it around vacations. And it's not a feel sorry for us deal because obviously we're, we're thrilled to death to be able to do that. Oh my gosh, yes. But man, you know, we got our buddies from, um, and that's why we drink. And I mean, and I know they went on like a three month tour where, I mean, they're hitting town after town after mm-hmm. town. And it would be, we would love to be able to do that, but we just can't because we've, with full time jobs, you guys know how it is. You can't just take off for <laughs> two or three months and, hey, we're going to go do a bunch of live shows across the country and we'll be back to pick right up. They just don't, you know, it don't work as well. But uh, I'm excited because I can see that, you know, it's not going to happen soon, but maybe in a year, two years. This is something that we could do just full time. And uh, so you guys give us hopes and dreams that we never thought we would have. Yeah. Thank you all so much for that. So please tell everybody you know, because that's how we're going to get there. Amen. All right. We're ready for the second story. Yeah. Okay. This one's kind of cool. Um, just because of the fact it's not the scariest story in the world. It's just different. And, you know, how many times have we done a story? That oh it was this was horrible back in the day and then the place was vacant and it's still a vacant mess and we tell that story and mm-hmm. this is what you see this story's a little different in the fact that this place made a complete transformation and we'll get into all the details of that but this story is from Guthrie Oklahoma and you wouldn't know it, it you know the the history of it by looking at this place. As, as far as how it looks today. It's a huge colonial-style red brick building, and the renovations of this place have made the place absolutely stunning. One of the owners, uh, that, that lives, he lives in part of this building, but uses the rest of it as kind of like office space, especially mm-hmm. for uh, the business that he has there. And then there's another owner that has an event business that he runs out of the place. So it's got this huge ballroom with high ceilings and 1920s woodwork, uh, big, large windows. It's it's definitely a high-class reception area. I'd hate to see the prices on what this place is for if you want to rent this place out. And then it's got the skylights and these beautiful crystal chandeliers that just take this place over the top. Now, to add to the glamour of this place, they've torn down some of the original residential wings that, that – um, 
used to be there, and they've put in these beautiful gardens. And they said that there used to be uh, an indoor pool, mm-hmm. but they filled that in, and now they've made that a beautiful indoor chapel that they can do weddings in. Aww. So you can do your weddings in the chapel and then go right to the event space. Nice. There's also some awesome landscaping that's in this huge front yard they have, and, and that this is where the children's dorms used to be. So there's still a big part of the original building that they do all this out of, but mm-hmm. this shows how big this place was at one point. So there's a bunch of statues of children and, and a beautiful fountain that sit out there with, amongst all the flower beds and the bushes and the trees. Really beautiful uh, place out there. Now, they also have a huge area in the back that they use for outside weddings uh, that's complete with a ceremony area that has a little river that runs through it. Oh, well, that's nice. So... You're probably saying, why the hell am I gushing about how beautiful this place is? It's like I'm trying to rent the place out or something for <laughs> It's because this place was vacant from 1978 until 2000. Oh. And it was in complete disrepair, a com- complete eyesore. The neighbors couldn't stand it. These people stepped in and bought it. And then completely now have established this. Put up, they put up a beautiful wall around it. So this place went from an eyesore in the neighborhood, and a place where, keep in mind, what happens with vacant buildings, especially vacant for a long time. Mm-hmm. You get drug addicts, yeah. you get teenagers that have heard all the rumors and and all this stuff. So I mean, you get everybody there in the neighborhood you don't want. Now it's this beautiful event center and and all that. So that's not normally how these things turn out. How many times have we done a story to where? They want to tear the place down, but yeah. it costs more to tear it down. Yeah. You know, so it just gets it, yeah. stuck being there. And, and then this is the complete opposite. So let's talk of some history of the place. It was built in the 1920s. And uh, unfortunately, this was a time in, in the United States to where there was a lot of financial devastation due to the Great Depression. They didn't have any type of welfare program system. Um, back in in Oklahoma at this time, or in in most of the United States, and there was no foster care system. So if you were, a lot of kids went to homes like this. Well, the the Masons, the Freemasons, stepped up in Guthrie, and they decided to put up the money to build this beautiful, nice home for the children that were in need. It was a great place. They had hot meals. They had shelter. They had nice warm beds, which wouldn't seem like much, but many kids at this time didn't have beds. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that they had a bed was a luxury. Um, they also had a religious education there and the before-mentioned pool. They had an indoor pool at this place. So how cool is that? Very nice. Not your typical orphanage. Oh, no, not at all. Well, they also had access to later to public education. If they didn't want the religious education, there was Good. public education made as well to them. So they could live in that house, mm-hmm. and instead of being schooled on the property, they could leave and go to schools and come back. This place gave many children a chance on life that they otherwise would not have had. In 1978, the state of Oklahoma brought in a foster care system and uh, placing children, obviously, with families to give the kids a more a personal you know, life rather than just living in a group home or something like that. So at this point, there was no need for the school any longer, and it closed shortly after. Oh. So what kind of reasons could lead to this place being haunted? Because everything we've talked about right now seems pretty so, good. Yeah. Well, nice. Obviously, some of the kids here were ripped away from their families and put in these homes due to the fact that their parents just couldn't afford to care for them. 
So you had families separated from each other, not necessarily by choice, but just because out of necessity. You could imagine that that's a very traumatic experience. And anytime you have traumatic experiences like that, well, you're going to get, um, I guess, like a feeling of depression type heaviness well, of because course, yeah. you know, and that stuff that negative energy just kind of kind of hangs around. So during the years of operation, there were some great caregivers and staff there, but unfortunately, as we've seen in a lot of these stories, there's also some who weren't the most passionate about their jobs and didn't have the most patience when it comes to dealing with people. There were some that unfortunately abused children. At this place, some of the disciplinary measures through the records, if you look back through some books and uh, logs and stuff that were kept, showed that the disciplinary action was way too severe in mm-hmm. some cases. There's a story, I don't know how true this is because it's one of those urban legends, but there's a story of a nurse who was working there that she had a very bad temper. Now, some say that she also wasn't mentally stable, so that's not a good combination. She was very abusive to the children, but and eventually, I guess one thing led to another, and with her being mentally unstable, um, she went a little bit over the top, and she committed suicide in the bell tower. Hmm. Another story is about a cruel headmistress, and she supposedly beat a six-year-old to death, and. There's a rumor that the six-year-old is the only one they could actually confirm, but she killed four other children and buried them in the basement. Oh, my so gosh. These are, these are more urban legend rumors. Yeah. Nobody's really confirmed any of this. You can assume there was probably some type of death during the years here from illness or accidents yeah. as well. So, you know, those kind of things would lead to a haunting. There's also reports that, there were graves that were in the backyard and these were like people who would come to the property when it was vacant and like hang out and party and all that. But there was a bunch of people that said there were graves in the backyard there. So they've seen them. So that would make sense that there probably were people who died on the property uh, during that time. So as far as paranormal activity, several people have claimed to see a little girl on the property that will like beg you to protect her. Oh, so my goodness. just basically asking for help. They say that when you're in the property that you can hear crying and screaming children that's almost like they're in mental anguish. Oh, my gosh. Uh, or in some kind of intense pain. Poor babies. Now, we told you they were doing all this renovation on the place. Construction workers that were working there said that they could hear footsteps in the building where there shouldn't have been footsteps. They also heard strange noises along with crying. They also reported that they felt like they were constantly being watched, and there were several people who felt so uneasy about it that they didn't come back to the work site. No kidding. So we talked earlier about the the bell tower as far as uh, uh, somebody being hanged there or committed suicide, I guess I should say. But in most cases with a bell tower, that's usually a hanging. That's why they go to the bell tower. There's supposed to be a shadow figure. That when people would break into the building and they would go there over to the uh, sneak into the bell tower, there would be a shadow figure that would kind of hover over top of them and chase them out of there. And during this same period of time uh, when the place was abandoned, 
people would see apparitions inside, like they would look through the windows and they would see apparitions inside the building, like kind of ducking in and out of rooms. Ooh, that would be awesome. There's a gentleman by the name of uh, Caleb Germany, and he came to Guthrie, Oklahoma, from uh, Oklahoma City when he, he with some friends back when he was in high school because there was an abandoned orphanage, and that's what teenagers do. And he said that the place was huge and it was dilapidated, and he said there was this one yellow light that was on there which just made everything seem eerie as hell, and it made every shadow look scary. Now, he said this to him, if he was a ghost, this would be the perfect place to hang out and hunt. <laughs> He said that uh, him and his friend made it up as far as to the front door, and then they heard this noise come from inside, and it scared them away that where they ran away. <laughs> and then he said he came back a whole bunch of times after that, mm-hmm. you know, with other friends and stuff like that, but that was just the first attempt. Now, the stories that he heard as a youngster were similar to the ones that we've already discussed. Now, there were some differences. Now, first of all, there was the headmistress who beat children to death, um, and that's one that we discussed. So that was on the, line, the same lines. But there was a couple that was a little bit different. One was about a deranged priest who killed ch- children and buried them under the building. And the other was about an employee that was so upset over the abuse that was taking place there that she took her own life in the bell tower. Now, the other story we told said that it was the nurse who finally went over the edge and went and did that. This story still has the suicide in the bell tower but it was somebody who worked there that apparently was overcome with the grief of all the abuse that was happening around her. Now, the rumor about that one goes that if you're in the bell tower at midnight, you can see a shadow figure drop and hang by the neck. Oh, my gosh. Now, Jeff Provine, who has written several books, uh, including Haunted Guthrie, says that he has seen a little boy running around the property. Mm -hmm. He also said that everything he's encountered there has been very positive. And he said one person even told him that it's good luck if you have your event there and one of the ghost kids show up at it. Oh, really? (laughs) Julie Ayer, who is the um, director of the Dominion House, which is the, um, the name of the place now. It's called the Dominion House. She said that, She's been there late at night on several occasions, and she's never seen anything supernatural. Isn't that the weirdest thing? She said she wishes she had a story, and she said, uh, although the only thing that she's got that comes close is there was a lady who made an online comment that the bathroom was unseasonably cold. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was funny. That is funny. (laughs) So that's our story on our little uh, Masonic home. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird how like she's been there for years and years and never encountered anything. But you know, I think a lot of that has to do with how open you are. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, uh, you could if you go in there and who knows how many times she has seen something and and don't realize and, it, and yeah, or she played it off of something else, or <laughs> you know, maybe she gets that same gust of wind and oh well, there must just be a window open. Well, yeah. maybe that wasn't a window open. You just mm-hmm. you're not open to it. So yeah, that could be true. Anyways, thank you guys so much. We love you. Go to our website and buy tickets to any upcoming events if you want them. Please, and If you don't want you. them, don't buy them. That's right. Yeah, if you don't want them, don't get them. That's fine. That's fine. We'll make it. Y'all just <laughs> hang with us, though. Hang with us. 
Yeah, we're gonna have some. We're gonna have some fun, and we. I love doing these live events because we get to meet everybody up close and personal, and it's so many. You know, people that we've talked to some in some cases like two two and a half years, and then we get to meet them in person. It's like it's like the coolest thing. It ever. is very cool. And I know this is gonna sound so hokey, but. <laughs> We have people come up to us and like, oh, my God, I can't believe we get to meet you. And we honestly feel that same way about you guys. Oh, my Lord, yes. I mean, because to us, you're, you're celebrities. I know that sounds almost like that can't be true, but it is because we've seen and talked to some of you guys for so long when yeah. we meet you in person. It's like. Without a doubt. You know, we're, we're like, hey, do you know who that is? That's so-and-so. And it's like, we can't wait to go and talk to you. <laughs> It's crazy, but it's it true. It is very true. It's great. It's just so great. Oh, uh, you know, I didn't mention this show earlier. We're having our birthday show. Don't forget this one. This is August 24th. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And Tony Bruski is going to be there from Real Ghost Stories Online. We uh, conned him into driving nine hours to come up here and be a part of our birthday show. <laughs> you know, he helped start this thing. It's his fault. <laughs> so um, he's going to come up, but we lined up another special surprise guest for that show. That we're not going to tell you. You're just going to have to show up and find out. Yeah. But that place is also a nice little private room. It's mm-hmm. a, and it's at Columbia Steakhouse, which is also going to do a buffet for us. It's got rib tips and stuff. I mean, uh, beef tips and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. This is going to be top notch. And every one of you need to bring a cake. Huh? Okay, they don't need to bring a cake. <laughs> we'll pro- but we're going to supply a cake that night. We're going to have a big-ass cake because there's going to be like 80 people there. So we need, maybe we should get – maybe think Carlos Bakery – could refer us to somebody in Lexington. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying for one of his cakes. So. All right, guys, we love you. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. Oh, you know what? What? I keep adding shit. I know you do. You're worse than I am this week. No, time. but this is big, though. This is this is big. Thursday. Just be watching your feed wherever you get this podcast, because there'll be a little something special that comes up Thursday, because we keep saying we got something new coming on the podcast this year, and it's coming Next week, and we're going to tell you what it is on Thursday. So be listening. Y'all have a great week.